Players, this is Brian Finch of Foil the World. Welcome to another episode of Foil the World podcast. We are here in Seal Beach, California with Josh of the Foil Shop, Patrick, Chris, and Kyle in the background sitting around. And let's get into this shit talk podcast. We got Patrick. Can we get foil some with real me? intro music? Eric, you help your boy out with some new intro music. I'm not surprised you already bungled it right at the beginning. We got Patrick here at foil, <laughs> at foil with me. Josh, the owner of the foil shop, at the foil shop on Instagram. At Chris Insane Pat, uh, <laughs> at Insane Patane in the back, <laughs> and at Kyle Knox is on Instagram as well. Um, surrounded by a bunch of foil rippers here in seal beach uh we went for a session earlier and uh felt like a bit of a kook conditions were a bit rough um it's good to flex the body a bit after you know 30 hours plus of driving cross country from jack's beach to san diego and now seal beach how you doing guys i'm glad you uh said all of our instagram handles you like that i feel like uh, I saw a sticker in Maui that said, no one cares about your foiling except for your Instagram followers. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's that's where foiling lives, so it's pretty good. That's the only space for it. Let's get this mic all up in your face there, buddy. Get, Is that know, better? Yeah, just put your face in it, Patrick. Just squish that face up in there. So we're sitting around drinking wine and beers, trying to figure out what to talk about and maybe more importantly, what not to talk about. Yeah, that's, that's a long that's, list. That's the more that's the more fun list is what we can't talk about, or what have we already talked about that we're striking from the records. So I want to start off. We we all have our secret topics that we're going to bring up, and I want to start off with mine. Let's talk about. Um, I'm not going to say names, but let's talk about the guys that speed up their clips. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Oof. I almost messaged him today <laughs> and said. <laughs> Like, what is yes. it? Like, yeah, because I feel like I almost wanted to be like, how, what speed is that? Because I go 1.5 speed and I feel like I look like a jackrabbit out on the water. But obviously his last clip is both sped up and slowed down in certain parts. So it's an effect, you know, it's cool. But yeah, what's up with that? Why are we speeding it, it's up It's not just clips? him. There's other people. And so I was talking with... It's catching on. I was, yeah, I was talking with Pedigo about it. and. Yeah. Um, Pedigo's losing his shit. He's Pettigo, losing his hair over this. <laughs> yeah, well, All he has to do is pubes. speed up the He's clip losing a little his bit. pubes over it. Um, because, okay, like you were just saying, the only spot that we have for foiling is Instagram. Like that's where you... That's where it lives. Yeah, that's where it lives, right? So... The vacation's on YouTube, but it lives on Instagram. Yeah. Vacation's on YouTube. There's no, there's no contest. There's no like real world, like let's put me... And Brian or me and Kyle or whoever in the water together and see. Like, Except for today. We did that. <laughs> yeah. Let's see who wins. Today doesn't count, bro. I wasn't ready. Yeah. Patrick um, got the most wave time. For sure. By a mile. At foil with me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if if the only space that we live in and we're kind of like competing, right? Whether it's for sponsorships or followers or whatever. Attention. It's right. all attention. If we're competing there, yes. let's, let's make the competition like a straight playing field. Let's not speed up clips to make your riding look better or if you're a team rider if you're a sponsored rider to make your foil that you're riding look more appealing so that 
people go spend three grand on something that is never going to work the way that you're advertising it. Well, maybe do that. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, unless unless you're pushing the sales towards Josh, then definitely <laughs> then you, you can, can speed your you clips want. up all you want. What I don't understand, how can you foil that fucking good and then adjust, you know, right. adjust clips? And there's there's several dudes doing it now. It's, right, because it's not like they don't rip. And there's yeah, and they're the fucking some of the best out there. The ridiculous. But the, the clips just they gotta be true. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's I, I I just think it's it's disingenuine if you're if you're a sponsored, if you're a pro, right? Let's just call it if you're a pro and if you're advertising for a brand with every clip that you post, then you shouldn't be altering what your foil looks like. So like speeding up the clip's not fair because it makes it makes that foil look different than it's gonna ever look in the water. Here's the question. Have you ever sped up one of your clips? No. I did in uh when I was Freshly out of high school, I was uh, an editor and living in the house, um, like a team house f- with a bunch of boogie boarders. Kyle Milligro was on that team yeah. from back in the day for, it was called the Quiet Classic. And w- like in, you know, Final Cut Pro 2, I was using at the time and we put clips at 1.2 speed and it was super obvious. Just at 1.2? 1.2, super obvious. So it's, it's like, you know, 20%. sped up just a tiny percent. A tiny percent, and you're like that, and you can see it. Yeah, it's odd. I, I really didn't want to talk about this. I did not think this was your. Yeah, this is my secret fucking topic. This is my bro. secret but topic. Like, yeah. If you're, if you're surface surfing, if you're on a bodyboard when you're bouncing up and down on that chop, you know, you drop into a wave bodyboarding, and there's a little bounce at the bottom. You know, on your on your little bottom turn, it's obvious. But with the foil, it's so smooth. You can all. It just looks like you're freaking shredding, right? Because that bottom turn now is like happening faster than nature can allow. Yeah, and it, and like your foil goes fast, like you're going fast. So if you speed it up just that little bit, like when you're bodyboarding, you're not going fast. When you're foiling, so if you speed up that little bit, it looks like you're better. It looks like you're on a fast foil. That's all it looks like. I'm not going to lie. I'm <clears throat> I'm an average foiler at best, and I have tried to speed up my clips and tried to make it look like I was doing better than I was. <laughs> it just made your arms look it faster. It just looked like the wave behind it was like, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't natural at all. Yeah. So maybe maybe my hat's off to the guys that can actually speed up their clips and like and it works. And right? it still looks good. Yeah, maybe whoever's editing these these videos is just doing a good job. So I'm picking them. Well I think he's just fucking really good. Surfing really good waves. He is really good. He's surfing really good waves, but also the editing. When you have a, a sped up clip and you mash it in with a slowed down clip, then it kind of like blurs the reality, and you're just caught up in that moment of like, oh my god, right? Why? When can I go to Byron Bay? You know. <laughs> <laughs> the but, editing is huge. The editing is a huge part of it. But, but also, I have the, one of the reasons I got into foiling is I watched a six minute long ride of Adam foiling all all the way across Byron Bay. And it was just like GoPro footage. And it was probably the sickest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, I have to foil now because this guy got a six minute ride all the way across this bay. And maybe I can get longer than a 10 second ride on my shortboard. And that's how I met you. I met you your first day foiling, right? Yes, you did. Yeah. Tell me about this romantic connection. Uh, Patrick was in his Subaru. I was, I was back when I was a lesbian. Yeah. So I was, I was getting out of the water. Oh yeah, Chris is here. Shout out to Chris so, in so St. Patine. Kyle. Kyle's riding the Subaru oh, too. Oh, they both rock the Subarus. Yeah. Yeah. They're scissoring right now. You guys can't see Sorry, it, but they're scissoring. 
Oh, the dad wagon with the dad bod. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I was just, I just got out of the water and you were running past me with a foil. And yep. at that time there was only like me and Chris and Teddy and like 10 guys probably around here foiling. And um, when you came by, I was like, oh, another, another one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not alone. And uh, I, I think I said like, you know, oh, hey man, like it's pretty fun out there, whatever. And you go, I hope so. It's my first day. And I was like, oh, great. You know, this, this this guy's in for it because you were at Bolsa. But you know what was cool is you, you pulled me aside. Right. This is my first experience in the foiling culture. You pulled me aside and you said, hey, let me take a look at your foil. And, you know, you said what you said about the rig I was riding, right. which was an MFC. And you were like, okay, this mass is a noodle yep. and whatever. But Wasn't wrong. I was like, I think Wasn't I'm going to bolt it up all the way in the back and, you know, whatever. And you're like, yeah, you know, but that's really intimidating. For first-time foilers to know how to bolt up your gear, are you doing it right? Right. I had no idea what to expect, so yeah. Yeah, I gave you some tips. You were like, "What do I do? Like, where, which, where do I go? And I, how, where do I go?" And I think I told you where to sit, like on the samba out there at Bolsa. And um, yeah, and then we started we started foiling from there. And and then a couple months later, he's like, "I want to open up a store." I was like, "You don't even know how to foil yet. Why do you want to sell these things?" <laughs> And then here he is two years later, still doesn't know how to foil, but he's still selling them. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> killing it <laughs> better than me. Patrick, what, uh, how'd you get into foiling? Like what, what'd you see? Um, what got you into it? I think it was like everybody else. I watched Kai. The same those, fucking those Genesis story. All right, let's skip over that then. No, We've all so heard it. I saw, yeah, I saw the Kai clip and then I was like, oh man, like I got to do that. So. Oh man, as in Omen? No, not Oven. And then um, I, uh, I think I, I was kite, kiteboarding a lot at the time. And so I was looking at like kite foils. I figured they were all the same. Like, I didn't think there was a difference. So I started looking at foils and Slingshot, Slingshot was like the kite brand that I trusted the most of the time. So I looked up the um, Slingshot. Uh, it was that Manta Ray wing, like the Delta wing that they had. Manta, I think, right? No. That, uh, it, no, it was like H4 or they had numbers. They didn't have name names then, I think. But so I, I got that on um, iKiteSurf through the used marketplace for super cheap. And I was looking at videos and I remember Tony Lagoge was like marketing the hell out of this thing because it was their new wing. And he's saying, oh, it's a great foil, but you have to really pump it this special way. And it was like this like weird like surf skate pump. And I was like, OK, well, I'm not there yet, but I'll get there. Like It's fine. So first day, take my foil out to um, Newport. And if you you know if you're not familiar with Southern California waves, Newport Beach is not a soft wave. It's like dumpy on the beach. And it it's was, dumpy on the beach, or it's like barreling, right? Like spitting barrels. Yeah, it's just a fast wave. It's not it's not a good spot to foil. Right. And um, I went on a stormy day. And I had my first board was a long board that I chopped in half and glassed the tail up and then used the stick on <laughs> the stick on foil mount. Foil mount. Yeah, Same the foil here. track box, which was those guys, they got it figured out. That's like a such a cheater. That was actually a pretty cool way for a lot of us to get into foil. Easy access. I, I was just after that initiative, you know, that, that wave of yeah. the foil mount, but that was actually a genius product. Oh, so smart. And um, so I went out with my friends and they all sat on the beach and, and recorded me and watched me and laughed and laughed. Like I took donuts. Like I landed on the foil every time. I took the mast to the forehead. Like I got destroyed. I got like, I don't know, three seconds to my feet every time and I was just falling off. And so I spent like the next two months 
not knowing where to go. How many times did you say the F word in that, se- in that <laughs> session? Yeah. If you foiled with me, you know that if I'm not having fun, I swear a lot. And it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> I purposely... Watching Patrick Lisa's shit? I purposely will rig up foils that I know Patrick hates and try to get him to ride them. And I've seen him somehow tread water and throw his foil board at the same time. Yeah. It, that's It's happened, yeah. He, it's classic. There was a lot of swearing. Well, actually, you know what? I think that first day, I was like just so so pumped to get it. And I knew it was going to be tough. So I don't think I swore a lot that day. The next day, for sure, I swore. <laughs> the, next, the next like two to three months, I you swore. You mean the next two to three years? Two to three months, <laughs> yeah. I swore a lot. I was, I was having trouble because I didn't know where to go. And like at that time around here, there was the West Coast guys. So like Ryan and Jeff Hurley. And I think they had one other guy that was following with them then. Like they're, I don't know. But I, I just had no clue where to go. So I was like, okay, I'll start Newport because that was where I was always surfing. And I was like, all right, I'll go to uh, Brookhurst River Jetty. And, you know, and I was like, nope. Oh, and then Ted Robinson. Ted Robinson, if you ever listen to this podcast, like if you're one of the seven listeners, then you like definitely pointed me in the right direction because yeah, because uh, I I caught him one day and he was on his GoFoil and I was like oh can I try that and and he said no you'll kill this is before I was falling he's like no you'll kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> I was like okay cool thanks dude like, I, I would have lent it to you right off I, the bat I just paddled up to him in the water and I was like hey man those things look super fun can I try that and he goes no you'll kill yourself um, and I was like oh well. I wish a surfer would say that to me now. Yeah. Can I try that? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yes, for sure. please. Yeah. Go for it. But now all the surfers are like, you're going to chop someone in half. Yeah, Get exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're sword. Dude, what is that? Everyone thinking foiling is super dangerous, but show me the bodies. Right. right. Where's the bodies? Where's the bodies? So Where's look, the injuries? Where's the... Statistically, I feel like if you were to fall on a surfboard in a critical section, you'd be more likely to be injured by a foil because there's more material there below the below the board and a lot more to get tangled up in in the whitewash and right no one wants to get tangled up with their foil in a, in a bad crash but what i can't stand is the surfer adage of like you're going to cut someone's arm off with that thing you know as you're just going by them i ha- i was i was it's 4th of july i'm out on the sand with all these guys and they're my friends uh they're a bunch of surfers and they're you know board riders club and they're kind of like influential in the surf scene around here. But then they're they're saying that stuff like, like you're going to chop someone in half or that could do some, you know, you could really hurt somebody if you, you guys are going like 20 miles an hour pumping out. And I'm like, look, we we measure it, GPS, right? We're going like 11 miles an hour when we pump. And if I run into you, it's no different than me hitting you with a drumstick or like a ruler. You know what I mean? Like it's not a knife. It's not a it's not a blade, even though even though the mass is called a katana. Yeah. <laughs> but. You know, I think that's that's like the hardest thing to overcome is every mom that sees their kid out in the lineup while there's spoilers out there thinks that you're going to chop their child in half. So I love I love following with Josh, okay, because um, he's like a Seal Beach local and his kids go to school here in Seal Beach and he you know lives here and he's got the shop here and his kids go to the surf school with with Chaz here and he knows all of the big name surfers that live around here. And he knows all the families and like the PTA and all this stuff. Right. And like his wife, Chelsea is friends, with all these moms. And so when Josh and I paddle out together on even like a semi crowded day, he almost always grabs me either in the parking lot on their beach and he goes, Hey, um, 
let's just be mellow today, right? Like he like has <laughs> to like give me the warning, or like today, even just today, some guy, no reason, started mouthing off while I was I was pumping. I wasn't Probably even not a local. I wasn't even riding near near him, but I was pumping back out like forty feet away from anybody, and the guy starts, you know, he he says, you know, f off, right? Tells me to get out of the water, and I told Josh, I go, hey, just so you know, it's on. Like he gave me shit for no reason. So I've, you know, if he's not going to be respectful, I'm not going to be respectful. And Josh was like, please don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because what happens is, what happens is, hold on. What happens is Josh goes to parties in his neighborhood and he meets new friends. Yeah. I'm in someone's backyard and drinking the, a beer and they're like, yeah, I was spoiling. And there was this guy in this red and black striped suit yeah. <laughs> and it was like cutting up, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I was there. That was my buddy. And like, I just get all the backlash. Yeah. What happens is Josh goes to parties and meets new people in his neighborhood and they're all talking about surfing or whatever. And then all of a sudden someone goes, Oh, fucking foiling. And then, you know, someone goes, Oh, he owns the foil shop. And now all of a sudden Josh is texting me at like 10 o'clock at night. Help. I'm at a party and they want to burn me. <laughs> no. Dude, I've, I've been in backyard parties where I'm having the best time ever. Yeah. And then they find out I own the foil shop yeah. and they're like, Oh, you're the problem. Uh, you got to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, party's and then, over pal. But then it's just like, I know, I know the people in the water and I know what they think. And I, I, I know I, I get it, right? So everything's super cool, and then I know who the shit talkers are, and then when we're, we're in the backyard, then it's like, oh, no, but you guys are super cool, but it's just some of the guys or whatever, but then, like, you're out there the next day, and they don't recognize you, and they're like, get out of here, you stupid coots, you know? <laughs> but what I can't explain to people, and I try to tell this to a lot of the surfers, is, like, I think they think that it's, like, a little bit of heckling in the water, but, like, it's so common in Southern California to just be walking back up to your car with the foil and have people just like, oh, look at this Barney. Yeah. This foil. Like, look at this Get idiot. the fuck out of here. Like, Get out of here. Yeah. Go home. Like, you, you shouldn't be out here. The one guy was like, oh, it's super crowded and they're out at Huntington with their foils. I'm like, it's two in the afternoon. It's windblown. There's seven surfers in the water. It's not crowded Huntington Beach. Right. You know, like, we waited. Yeah. And who's the kook? The guy who's trying to surf, you know, out in 15 mile an hour wind? Or the guy, you know, and or the guy who decides to go foil specifically when it's crappy because we don't want to be in the way of a crowd. Like, who's the kook there? The guy who's freaking putting himself on crap waves and, and throwing a fit that there's one foiler out in the water. Actually, this morning yeah. was the <clears throat> that conflict with that guy. Was that like right in the beginning of the session? Yeah. I when I was paddling out along the you know from the beach yeah. along the wall, he was coming in and he kept like stopping paddling, sit up and like this is fucking America. Fuck what? It just like seemed like a crazy person. He I don't seems really happy actually. <laughs> so <laughs> we should dude, all strive to be like that dude. Guy. He was losing his yeah. shit. I thought he was off his meds. He was. Of course, it was something to do with you. Yeah, he was mad. And so like, okay, when I and I when I hit up hit him up, I he he's all fuck off as I paddle by as I as I caught away right not anywhere near him. So I paddled over and I just said, hey man, I'm being respectful. Can you be respectful too? And he said no. And I was like, all right, well, then that's the game we're playing. If you don't be respectful, I don't have to be respectful. The weird uh, part is just kept screaming about America this, America that, like, uh, you know, land of the free. (laughs) (laughs) So Seal Beach is like this spot that never breaks. It's always mushy, crappy. It's not great for surfing. So we go out at high tide and no one's out there until a big south swell comes in. Now, all the beaches... Because, you know, this stretch of Orange County is, like, really straight down the coast. Like, it's not a lot of bays or anything like that. 
the swell comes in, if it's a south swell, it's just this giant current. So surfers can't keep up with it. At a certain point, they just they just can't ride that spot. So and a lot of it gets, to, wall, it gets walled up, it too. It gets walled yeah. up, and it gets, uh, it gets sideswept, right? Can't hold position. So they all come to seal because there's a big jetty there. And seal only works really well when it's really big and, and maxed out everywhere else. So then you get guys from all over Southern California, like, descending on this spot. We've been there all year, every day. And then they're like, get out of here. Go yeah. home, you stupid kook. Yeah. I love, I love it, guys. It. I've been serving her for 20 years. And I'm like, I mean, I've been out here probably two, uh, 150 days a year for the past three years. I haven't seen you once. So who's the local now? But like, this is, my, how, this is my spot now, homie. <laughs> but I love how Patrick, no matter where we are, oh, oh God. we could be out on the shoulder. <laughs> we could be away from everybody. He's going to catch a wave. And go weave through the pack. No. And then like No, weave around the pack. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah. Weave around the pack. Anyhow, he's gonna we can all be having totally fine time and Patrick will be the guy every time that people are are mad at. I don't know what it is. It's it's your face. It's the smile. It's the smile, man. They know your your Instagram account. They don't like the smile. It's it's I I don't know. I think uh You tell me, Brian. I think the you tell me, Brian. Here what was it, Brian? Is that about we, were, you? we were talking about you at lunch, <laughs> yeah. Kyle and I. And I think the disconnect is when there's a pack of surfers. They're sitting all the way out on the peak. Yeah, you know, we're sitting inside doing our thing. But then you catch a you catch a insider. Mm -hmm. You pump out and around. You're not like cutting through the pack. Mm -hmm. Pump all the way out past the peak, mm -hmm. and then catch the wave, catch yep. the set, and then come screaming back through around. I was, Either way, I was but outside of close the pack enough for sure. to deter them from and feeling like I don't, there's no space on this wave for me to catch the wave. So I think I told Patrick, "Hey, let's just hang out, you know, over here." And he's like, "But that's where the wave is, you know. That's <laughs> the thing. Like, I gotta go where all the guys are." <laughs> yeah, and I, like like today, speci like specifically today, but always, I'm very mindful of where the like the peak is, right? So yeah, even, even you go straight it. to it. <laughs> yeah, I go to it, but I go to it what, like fifty yards outside of where the surface sure, catches. And then I it. go to the shoulder, and as I'm going by, I'm always saying go, 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 right? Because they can ride the wave behind me. Like I'm not yeah. going to be in the way. I've always said if a surfer and a foiler are fighting over the same section of a wave, someone made a huge mistake. That's on the foiler, generally speaking. It's yeah. typically on the foiler, yeah, right, but. I mean, what I'm, the, I guess the point is like the foilers want to be on the shoulder. They want that softer section. This, the surfers should be in the more vertical, steeper pocket where they can actually Unless you're Kyle Knox and you're trying to smash the lip with your... With like, a foil? Whatever, yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, we all want to swipe back and hit the foam and like, you know, do something cool, but... Right, but when there's not a surfer there. Right? I equate it to, you know, the longboarders and the suppers that have yes. been sitting way outside yes. picking off the sets exactly. for years and years. Exactly. And this, I equate this, it to this, skateboarders this... and rollerbladers. I feel like foilers <laughs> are the rollerbladers of the sea. Right? I like that. No. We're fruit We're way cooler. That's, what, we, that's so what they think. When when a surfer gets mad at me, because I've, I've heard that same argument so many times, right? Like, oh, well, you know, you're out there catching every wave. And I go, well, first off, I'm on the shoulder, so you guys can definitely go. And, I, and I'm always like upfront, guys, hey, you guys can always, you can go in whatever wave you want, right? But they go, oh, well, you go way outside. You, I go, okay. But I also paddled for it probably 50 yards inside of you. Like after you already had your ride, I caught the foam. So I'm not sitting way out. Like it's not like a, a sup that sits out there and just, you know, catches one and paddles back out. And he goes straight back out. Right. And yeah. I catch one and I pump back out, but I pump way past where you're going to catch it. 
and then I get way off on the shoulder so you can still go. That is the fucked up part. It's like you, you know, we're riding unbroken waves. Right. All the way through, and then we're on the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally understand the issue that surfers have with foilers. A lot of it, in my opinion, is jealousy. They're, they're sitting there for two hours. It's greed as well. Yeah. That's what my kids say. It's a, my little children tell me that it's because they're jealous. Yeah. Because they're sitting there. They're sitting and in there for riding. two hours, and they catch... Let's say, Kyle, well, on a good session, if you're out for two hours, how many waves are you going to catch? Ten waves? That's a good session, right? I mean, I'm a foiler. No, no, you're a surfer. Get out of when here. When you're surfing. When well, you're surfing. Look, I measured this. I, I'm, saying, I'm saying when I, like, because I've, I've surfed for, you know, 20 plus years. Yeah. When I surfed, if I caught 10 good waves yep. in two hours, I was stoked. Like, that was I a, would I would go out for an hour, and I would measure it on my Apple Watch right. and Surfline or whatever. And if I had eight waves that I could, like, you know, see on the cams or, you yeah. know, like rewind and check out. I was stoked, right? That was a good session. An hour and a half session, you get eight waves and you get, a, you know, three or four turns on a wave. That's like epic. Right. Maybe so a barrel. So you're sitting out there for two hours. But wait a second. Foiling. Right. Instantly, it was like 25, 30 waves every single session. Yeah. So it is intimidating for a surfer because we can be up and foiling all the time and they have no idea like how to handle that in the lineup because we're constantly writing and they're just like what the heck do I well do? yeah it's just and it's just like i said it's just it's, i think honestly it really boils down to jealousy where they're sitting there for two hours they maybe catch three or four good waves right or less and each wave is what 10 seconds like okay and then you look up and you see me or any one of the other guys out at seal that are having like a five minute ride because you you're linking you know, two or three waves together or you're riding way in on the jetty and then getting way outside and you just get pissed off. I would get pissed off too if I was watching somebody else have so much f- more, more fun. It's a cool. battle of limited resources yeah. is what it boils down but to. Really right. the question is, so I don't get yelled at when I'm in the water. Hardly because you look tough, bro. Probably because I don't get that many waves. It's, it's the braces. It is. <laughs> the lisp. It's the lisp. <laughs> it's the lisp. Anyways, I don't get yelled at. Patrick could be 20 yards away from another surfer and i feel like every time we go out they want to fight Patrick. someone has something to say and, and honestly i'm like he didn't do anything different like i don't get it and it's kind of the same with your instagram account right <laughs> like you know you just post let's funny get into stuff, this like all lighthearted. you know you never try to piss anybody off right let's peel back the layers on this one <laughs> and, and, you know it just kind of like, like conflict just gravitates to to foil with me yeah, it does. I don't know why. Foil <laughs> me is the best possible handle you could have ever. <laughs> <laughs> the original hey, profile. Bro, come on, foil with me. Yeah, I so dare I, you. I made, I made that. I, okay, yeah, I guess it takes on that kind of that, that connotation now. But I made that because I was like, that's when I was riding for um, Axis. And I was trying to, like, I was like a beach rep, right? Or, you know, de- demo guy. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Axis, right? And, um... And I, so I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, I want people to foil with me. It's so like they can, you know, demo the gear and ride the gear and whatever. So I just made foil with me. And now it's turned into like. Now no one wants to foil with you. Yeah, nobody wants to foil <laughs> no with No surfers. No. In the context of surfers. Not even, not even foilers want to foil with me. They're like, oh, I don't want to go with Patrick today. But what do you say to all the people on Instagram that do foil and are like, dude, screw that guy. What's his deal? To me? Yeah. Oh, about me? Do you get DM yeah, hate? I oh, like I get, yeah, I get lots of hate. You get a lot of hate. And I think you get. To be honest, so I, I know the guy. I know Patrick really well. I feel like he gets a bad rap. 
So thank I you. Honestly, I appreciate that. I can honestly say, I think Patrick is genuinely one of the nicest people I know. Oh, you're gonna ruin my rep now, dude. <laughs> However, in person. In person. In person. Oh, yeah, there we go. I person. thought you were a prick too before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you last I know. summer. I remember I talking know. to Brian and like being like like petting Brian's hair, like like it's okay. Like Patrick's really a nice guy. Like you'll be okay. And. It's it's really it's really interesting, like how the uh, Instagram. No, I was like training. I was like tuning up. I'm like, I'm yeah. just gonna like meet this ready. guy. I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready to throw like, down. We were, we were ready to foil tanker waves in Texas, and we were like getting hyped up. Yeah. But I think it's interesting. What do you what do, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that a lot of people can't take a joke, and I <laughs> including your ex-wife. <laughs> oh God. Oh. <laughs> Or your current wife. Uh, currently, yeah. <laughs> or your current that wife. An accurate statement. Yeah. Uh, let's, Chelsea, let's talk pickleball. Yeah. Um, the gloves are off. For me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no gloves ever for me, That's Josh. Right. Um, yeah, no, I just like, I, I think it's all about having fun. And I, one of the most fun things for me is just talking shit. Like me and Josh talk the most shit to each other. And then, like, Chris, too. That's like, how we grew up, though. Oh, Our yeah. age group is, like, it was brutal. If you're yeah. not putting me down, do you really care? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, if I don't make fun of you, it's probably because I don't like you. I if, think but if I like you, to your Bumble dates. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. heard you tell me that you told that straight to their face. Like, uh, if I don't make fun of you, it's because I don't like you. You're also fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will never work. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that's what I think really what it comes down to is you can't take a joke. And like, so like currently I've been making memes about Armstrong and I've been hearing that Armstrong doesn't like memes being made about them. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Um, It's just because you like them, bro. I think it's funny. You love them so much that you're willing to put yourself out there. I, yeah, I think it's funny. I think like, I mean, I make memes about Unifoil at times. And when I rode for Axis, I made memes about Axis. Foiled again and made a good meme about Unifoil recently. Foiled again <laughs> made a great meme about Unifoil and their awesome Bali trip. Hey, Brian, how was that Bali trip, bro? Oh, yeah. Bro, it was, it was yeah. epic. You should have came, bro. I know. I wish I would have known. You know how I found out about the Bali trip? Hold on. Let's, let's talk about Josh this. Was, Josh laid this down. Let's talk like, about oof, this. Yeah. So, okay. So, Paul Cooper. Shout out to Paul. I like Paul. What's up, Paul? I was That's super my boy. I was super stoked. Paul and I went to high school together. No way. No, yeah. you did not. He's, he's a Kauai boy. Yeah. Were you on a, oh. He was a Kauai boy? Yeah, he's a Kauai boy. I'm, uh, I'm the same age as his older brother. You know, we were in the same grade. And I was a little closer to, to his brother Richard. Um, but yeah, I like knew Paul. He was he was in the scene. He yeah. was he was a freaking good bodyboarder. He was uh, turned you know pro- professional bodyboarder and toured and stuff like that. No way. But yeah, no Paul's OG from from Kauai. Lived on Oahu for quite a long time now. But but that's my one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's pure aloha. Yeah. So Such okay. A good dude. So I'd been on the team, the Unifoil team, for almost a year at that point. Ambassador or team? I was on the website, bro. <laughs> International team writer Patrick Israel. My name misspelled. Um, Israel. Israel. Yeah, and then. Uh, Paul calls me and, and we we're talking about how he, he was signing and he was just coming on the team and he was all stoked. And he's like, oh, yeah, bro, I'm so pumped for this Bali trip. I, I can't wait to see you out there. <laughs> and I went, what Bali trip? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he gosh. goes, he goes, oh, hey, bro, I got a call coming. <laughs> he, he hung up on me. He hung so up. Good. And I was like, oh, what the hell's this? Right. And then. 
so then I was kind of, like, I didn't want to make a scene. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like talk about it to anybody who I wish not talk about it to. So I was talking with Josh Koo and, uh, I, I threw a softball that I was like, I was like, Oh yeah, dude, this Bali trip coming up sounds rad. And Josh was like, yeah, bro. I'm so pumped. And I was like, I'm not going. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, Oh, Oh, what? And I was like, yeah, I just, I just found out the other day I, I wasn't invited. And he's like, well, I think, I think it's, I think there was, it was full. I think Patrick's like, Patrick's like, are they trying to drop me? Is yeah. this how it works? Like they, Koo, they Koo, so Koo was like, Koo was like, oh, you know what, dude, I think it was just full. Like they had all these new team guys that they had coming on and they, I was like, yeah, no, cool. It's like when cell phone companies give you a discount for being a new customer, not a, you know, existing one. Right. And, uh, and so that's how I found out. That was fun. So good. Yeah, and that's then all of you guys that ordered things. your progression wings, I'm glad you got them on time because I was running all of the orders while you were while everybody else was in Bali and Australia having fun. We needed our uh, our main guy to hold <laughs> it down, bro. We needed our boy. It's your Instagram. <laughs> it was a compliment. It was a compliment. It was we needed really, you. It was a, yeah. It was really about a confidence. Like, is what we, it was. We can't have foil with me on a Bali trip. So like, Josh, okay. So Josh, to, Josh had what I thought was the most like. Uh, it was the nicest way to break it to me. <laughs> jo- so Josh was like, uh, Thompson, right? Josh right here, not Josh Koo. Um, I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, are they dropping me from the team? Like, what does this mean? I was like, I don't know why they dropped me from the team if I'm now an employee. Like, what does this mean? And uh, Josh goes, you know what, dude? Look at, they're bringing a bunch of new people on the team and maybe, maybe just some of them don't like you and they, they, <laughs> they don't they don't want it to be some like weird thing with you on this trip with these guys that obviously like ha- have probably never met you but they don't like you because of your instagram persona and i was like oh maybe that's what it is who's just, laughing now yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah josh was like oh yeah that's probably what it is dude don't worry about it so Right, because that's where Foiling lives. On Instagram. Yeah, this podcast brought brought to you by Instagram, Meta. <laughs> by Meta and Foil the World. And Foil. <laughs> and the Foil Shop. And the Foil Shop. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg foils in the metaverse. We've seen it. He was ripping. He downwinds. He does downwind. So if Mark Zuckerberg ever hears this podcast, come downwind with us. If he's one of the eight guys, now now we're up to eight listeners. Yeah. Eight listeners. Yeah. What would you do? I mean, everybody's giving Mark all this shade for foiling. I've met him. You have? He's a nice guy. How'd you meet him? I can't say. You can't say I'm where? NDA'd. Oh, to the max. seriously? Yeah. That's pretty yeah. intense. Was yeah. it? Can you? I don't know, but you know, his politics or whatever. I, you know, I don't like, can, can we say, like, what, was it like mainland Hawaii international? No. You can't say any of that. No. <laughs> Wow, Mark. But it was it was interesting. You need to order your foils through the foil shop. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you don't sell Lyft anymore. Oh, yeah. He is a hardcore Lyft guy. Yeah. I do sell Lyft, and I like Lyft, but Lyft deals direct to their customers, and so all their customers go directly to their website after they demo my foils. You want to you wanna elaborate on this? The difficulties of direct running a foil customer. shop and selling direct and versus retail? Yeah, a little bit. I don't Break need it to, down. you know, belabor a point, but... No, just guilt the fuck out of all the guys that are yeah. not supporting. So, typically the way it goes is um, I'll 
I have a loyal batch of customers, and they're always hitting me up for new foils, new gear. And I love sending it to them. My favorite thing is when guys just text me. Hey, I need one of these foils. Can you make it happen? You know? And uh, it's like, yeah, sure. I'll ship it right to your door. Everything's great. And uh, so I'll pick on Unifoil because you and Patrick both work for Unifoil. Let's just throw that out there. It's public knowledge. Thank you for listening uh, to the Foil of the World podcast. That's a wrap for today. <laughs> Anyhow, the, the, I, I'll pick on you guys, right? Because I still love Unifoil. I still sell a ton of Unifoil. And I'll keep selling Unifoil because I love Toby. I love PB. I love all you guys. Um, but what happens is I'll make a huge investment thinking that I am the exclusive retailer in this area for a foil brand. And then my customers kind of get wind that like, oh, I can just go direct. And it's the same thing as whether I go to the foil shop or, or not. Now, there's Wait, a level for, of- for the same price, what's the advantage of them going direct versus with you you know if they don't live in the state for me it only it it can only come down to a personal connection right so i've got guys on the east coast um i've got like the lift journal right good buddy i he calls in he's a new ambassador for unifoil thank you i was getting to that that's the point he's getting to that's exactly the point right so he's an ambassador we talk we talk for hours hyper progression What's better? What size? Great guy. When to ride what? When to ride what? What conditions? Yeah, how are you tuning it? Right. And so I do all the legwork, all the all the um, the back end work to to have this customer riding Unifoil, uh, which I think is a great product, and I think he should be on. And he's obviously doing extremely well with it. Hats off to you. Um, but what ends up happening what what do i find out you know a couple months later when the progression's out and i'm ready to hit him up and say hey you you know i got some 140s in i'm ready to send it out and it's like oh i'm an i'm an ambassador for uni now like i get my foils directly through uni so uni's got ambassadors everywhere right but then i had a bunch of pre-orders for the progression come out but due to uni's marketing for direct to customer like 30% of my pre-orders backed out because i i wasn't taking money up front some of them I did, and they didn't back out. But some of the guys, I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. When I get it in stock, I'll hit you up. I'll collect, and I'll ship it out. And before I, w- w- I would get the stuff in stock, I'd give them a call. And they're like, oh, I already ordered from Uni directly. Or guys, I would... You that know, was a, a unique situation, though. A unique situation? <laughs> well, it's fuck, dude. We're going to have to edit that yeah, out. Okay. That out. All, right, all right. Cut that <laughs> out. That <laughs> was, you know, like, yeah, the, the pre-order. And I know Uni's not looking to do that again. It was situational, but I would be interested to see how it plays out. You know, with with new products that come out, um, I uh, you know from what I see, it looks like the progression lineup of products is 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 a pretty dominant thing in the uni uni brand. Um, I'd like to see you know what what happens when uni comes out with the next big push, and I can understand from a manufa- manufacturer perspective, you got to recuperate. R&D. You got to recuperate, you know, manufacturing costs. And the quickest way to do that is to bypass the shops and go direct to your customers. And guess what? You scan a QR code. You got everybody's email address. You can hit everybody up, give them a little discount, a little incentive nugget to, to go direct to you and bypass me. And that's fine until I'm not here. Right. And so we saw that with um, Lyft. And I love Lyft. I love their product. I, I, I sell, sell it all the time or sold it all the time. But I went from you know, doing a considerable 
amount of lift stuff where I had to keep product in stock and I was happy to, you know, make their minimum orders and everything to all of a sudden they start selling direct right after the release of the, high, uh, the, uh, the 90, right? And then all of a sudden there's no more lift customers. No one so they're, do they switch to strictly selling direct? They didn't or, switch to strictly. But they're pushing. They, they changed the way that the shops have to order. So I have to pre-order in advance. You got to wire them. It's, it's just that they, they kind of made it a little more difficult for the retailers to get the product unless you're going to stock a massive inventory in the shop. And then, which I wouldn't mind doing if all my customers were coming to me, but actually a lot of my best customers, my best lift customers that I thought, of course, if I stock this product, they're going to come to me. They just ended up going straight to lift. And case in point, um, you know, uh, my buddy Matt was like, hey, you got to get this uh 90 what's matt's uh, uh, uh foil me harder foil me harder foil me right harder. Yeah. foil me harder is like hey you need to get all these 90s in it's going to be a hit i'll help invest like he was on it he's like let's do yeah, it i'll bring you people so i go I'll bring to maui orders. yeah i go to maui i test out the 90 because that's another one of my standards i don't sell a product unless i've ridden it first right unless i get a demo beforehand I don't, which is honest and genuine. Right. Yeah. Right? I'm not like, trying to sell stuff just because I bought it. I'm not, cause right. I don't buy it unless I believe in it. So I go, I test out the, the 90. I love it. And I, I start taking all these pre-orders and I find out foil me harder, bought his foil directly from Lyft. And I'm like, dude, like I, you know, like, I thought we were, I thought we were in this together, you know, like, Come on. And I love the guy. Good I, job, and I, Matt. And I, I even tell him. You I, broke Josh's Matt. heart. Well, no. But I even, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a, a, a point in time, right? I don't blame Matt for that. That's a, that's the way that Lyft is, is choosing to conduct their business where it's like, hey, we want our customers to come direct to us if they can. Um, a lot of uni is like, hey, we would prefer that the customers come direct to us because uh, we make more margin and we don't have to pay the shop to sell our product. There are, business models where like for example code they won't sell directly to the customer you got to come through me if you want to get a code foil give it time give it time right yeah it's, it's yeah the margins are so it's brutal buffalo it's yeah it's so, the, the margins are brutal that uh you know the r&d time the manufacturing time yeah and it's everyone's playing leapfrog uh leapfrog totally all leapfrog. the brands right so i think that's an interesting thing but about the to push shop. back a little bit i mean Uni's never like, no, we prefer to sell direct. This is our goal. But it's you're speaking like through their actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you the, the goal is to have three or four retail. Most, yeah. yeah. My three or four most loyal customers are now uni ambassadors. <laughs> yeah. But they're that's gone from my radar. You got, but you got those customers. Yeah. It's uni's not going, hey, you want to be an ambassador, bro? It's right. those customers are reaching out. We get. I get, you know, I'm a team manager now Wait, at Unifoil, you say, and we get you want to be an five to ten freaking. They sent out, we they get sent five out an to email ten. and said, "Hey, we're, we're, they put out an Instagram post saying that's actually true. You okay. should, yeah. Do you want okay, to be that an was ambassador? Me. Fill yeah, out an that was before me. You got you there, but we still get like five to ten a week of of Unifoil ambassador. I don't applications. blame any for that though, and right. I don't blame Lyft. I don't blame any of the manufacturers. I you asked me to speak to it. It's a hardship of the business that I'm in, right. which is. I'm I'm dealing with the customers that walk in off the street or call me directly, and if they're really what happens is as people get into the foiling industry, they have connections. They're gonna go directly to the manufacturers, and I exist for the personal relationship. You know, you can call me anytime and ask me, hey, I'm on this foil, and my favorite is when customers call in and say like, I'm working on pumping 
farther or connecting more ways. And I'm, I'm like, what are you writing? What are you, what are you on? And like, let's talk about your board. Let's talk about shimming. Let's talk about tails. And I can like steer them to the right gear. And that's, that's really our specialty. So, so it's basically when a client reaches a certain proficiency and understanding of foiling, tuning, whatnot, gear, boards, then that's when they, they're like, thanks. Don't need any more. Yeah, I got this. I can do this on my own now. The the, fun, okay. the funniest yeah, story from, but, yeah. but, but that's how it works. Huh? Yeah, the funniest totally. story from this, like, part yeah with the whole like direct sales retail sales whatever is because i i you know i work out of the shop a lot um and i'm processing some orders for uni and i'm sitting here and i'm like duh, 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 and i'm just like saying names out loud and josh goes what the fuck <laughs> i go i go what he goes i go oh yeah this guy and i said i can't remember. I, Actually, I do know his name. I'm not going to say that. Josh knows his name. Exactly. I'm not going to say his name. But I said, oh, yeah, this guy just bought like a one, a complete 170 and a 140. It, like this was like the pre-order. He's like, oh, yeah, he bought a 170, a complete kit, and then an additional 140 and this, this, this. You know, it ended up being like a $3,000 plus order, right? And Josh goes, that's my fucking customer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, what do you mean? Because I didn't know who the guy was, right? I thought we were, thought we were and, friends. Yeah, yeah. And the guy, so the guy lives. So we're in the trust. The tree. guy, the guy does not live in California, but he has bought everything, right? Up until then, he has bought everything from uh, from Josh. So um, when he when Josh saw that the guy bought the pre order direct from Uni, Josh was like devastated and then i was, I was like not mad at the customer the customer is always free to buy from whoever they want i'm not mad at foil me harder free. <laughs> people are hey that's the market if i can't provide a better service and there's not an incentive to come here for the personal connection yeah. or whatever then that's totally cool i totally get it you ask about uh you know people going direct or you know manufacturers and that's it's 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 part of the business i started going through the list with other names and there was probably like four or five other people. And then eventually Josh just said, stop, just don't say any more names out loud. I don't want to hear anybody else of my customers that are buying direct. And I was like, all right, <laughs> don't want to know. <laughs> Sorry. I won't say that anymore. It's okay. You know, so, if the foil shop closes, at least I made a ton of good friends. I think it's the best part of the foil shop is honestly. Yeah. I can connect a couple waves or I can do a couple turns. I'm not the world's best foiler, but you're underselling bro. Okay. You're doing good. I'm a decent foiler. Yeah. I can foil. But the best part about it is if I didn't own the foil shop, I wouldn't have the connections that I have. You wouldn't be in here talking to me right now. You know? You wouldn't be talking to me be just because of my foiling. Right? Roast him. What? Roast him. Yeah. I wouldn't be in here talking to you because... You wouldn't have sought out... No, it's... For me, it's... Uh, you have to be a good person. Sure. You have to be excited about foiling. Don't care if you own a foil shop. Don't care if you're ripping, whatever. You have to be a good person. But I never would have met you if I didn't own the foil shop. Maybe, maybe not. I never not. would have met a lot of these guys if I hadn't owned the foil shop. So well, now, I, I don't I know. Love... I'm going to push back a bit because I would say maybe if you weren't on Instagram, we'd All never right. met and never foiled together. Mm -hmm. Or if you were, you know, didn't live in, you know, Seal Beach foil type hub. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. If you, were, if you lived on a lake out in the middle of nowhere, maybe not. But... Josh, but the give, foil community Chris, Chris wants to say something. Chris wants to say something. Here you go, Chris. At Insane Pentane. <laughs> You're part of the crew, Josh. Yeah. You would have been here with or without the foil shop. Oh, <laughs> it's loved. I love it. He's I loved. love it. Kiss. 
Okay. Kiss. Now they're so kissing. Favorite, now so they're making out. Oh my gosh. You guys, all right. Enough. Hold on. Enough, so guys. I roll up to Maui. Put, I'm on Wing up. Beach. I'm super intimidated. Can't wing. Can't stay up wind. Was this yesterday? This was like no. a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I'm a terrible winger. I'm going to be in Hood next week. And Wait. Hold on. Josh, our, let's talk about our down winger first. Okay. Wait a second. <laughs> I want to say one thing and then yes. Our down winger? So Patrick. Let's talk about our down winger. So can I, can I start it off and you can interject? Go for it. Let's hear it. So Patrick goes out winging one day, right? Gets on the wing and he's like, oh yeah, I hate winging. Winging sucks. I'm a prone or die. And he goes out winging one day, stays up wind, like totally no problem. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm struggling, right? I can bear, I can get up on foil every time, but I can't stay up wind. I can bear. And he's like, well, what's the best thing about not staying up wind going downwind. So let's do a downwinder from Cabrillo seal beach it's like you know 15 miles and it's there's nowhere to come in because you got to go out and around the la harbor like so, the, the shipping boats like the matson boats the shipping the, lane yeah, yeah. for the west the western seaboard right <laughs> yeah. so we leave at 4 15 in the afternoon which is too late and it was well little did we know we yeah we left probably 45 minutes too late and it was blowing good so i realized after I got oh, and I decided to take a smaller board, smaller wing, and smaller foil mm-hmm. on this trip because it was it was nuking. Yeah, it and good. it was also my fifth time, so I'm ready to downsize, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, everyone is. So we leave at four fifteen, and I'm going. I'm goofy, so I can go out to sea really well. So I'm cruising out like really well. He's really well. Super Let me just tell you how it. well I go out. To sea. Can <laughs> I looking t- straight to the horizon? <laughs> can no. I turn? Maybe not. Yeah. But I can go out to sea really well. He's like Zoolander. So I'm <laughs> can't just, turn left. I'm vibing. Oh, seriously. Seriously, blue steel all the way. Yeah. So I'm vibing. I'm just cruising out to sea, having a great time. And all of a sudden, it comes time for me to do a jibe and go to the <laughs> side back into the beach. I crash, and there's no more wind. I can't get up. I can't get back up on foil. And I, we looked at the GPS tracks. I was almost eight miles out to sea. <laughs> and there was no wind. And we're in the middle of nowhere because now we got to get around the shipping lane. So from 4, 4.30... Till like 7.30 at night, I just slogged on my knees with the wing, trying to pump the wing. And Josh spent a lot of time on his knees. Yes, I did. Three yeah. hours. Dude, when I came in... I what was that? The whole crew following. Yeah, the whole crew was following. The whole crew actually did go down, but they were a lot closer to shore. Let me just tell you, by the time I got in, I still have scars on my knees and the tops of my feet from kneeling on that board and pumping myself in. I was bloody. It was a mess. We had to get rescued by the lifeguard. Josh, so the one of the one of the boats was coming out of the gates, like the the shipping boats was coming out of the gates as Josh was drifting past the container ship. The container ship, yeah, and so he was with you with Quinn, right? Because so Quinn, what, what, what's it? Uh, just the wingtips. Just the tips. Yeah, just the wingtips, or yeah. What's oh. Quinn's at? at? He I changes want, it. Yeah, um, Quinn was like a hero. So I I was like, well, we the plan. Quinn was, just stuck with me the whole time. The plan was to Quinn do Wilson? partners. Which Quinn? No, no, Quinn, Quinn yeah. Deaton. Quinn Deaton. Oh, gotcha. yeah. What is it? Just what? the wingtips. Just the wingtips. Yeah, uh, just Milf. Man, God. I love foiling. Yeah. He makes those stickers. Um, but the plan, and I was very specific at the beginning. Partner up. Your plan was fall behind, get left behind. No, no, no. My plan was partner up. We stay in groups of two, and I chose Quinn because I knew he knew what he was doing. I didn't choose you. I said you can go with Chris or Gage. Um, like I said, I'm not the best foiler. Because Gage is really good at winging, right? But so I said, let's buddy up. Let's go together. So that way, if there is an issue, you have a partner with you. And uh, 
me and Quinn were going for a while, and then eventually, like, I lost Quinn. Like, he just, he, I don't know what he was doing. He just stopped going. So I'm like, well, I'm on my own. So I just kept going. I, I made it to the end. But Quinn, made past the end. I made it past the end. Patrick I, had to I get missed, rescued because he went too far. I, yeah. So some guys got, so Josh got rescued because he was out to sea. I got rescued because I went past where the car was. I went down to Huntington instead of Sunset or instead of Seal. Sunset. Overachiever, huh? Yeah. I So, okay. From the from the shore or from the from the ocean, I mistook the um, Seal Beach power plant uh, smokestacks as the Queen Mary smokestacks. So I thought I was still in Long Beach. So I was like, "Well, I got to keep going." That's how far out we were because yeah. the horizon was kind of oh, a haze. Yeah. I was way too far out. Yeah. I, I should have been way closer to shore. Um, but so Quinn was a hero because he saw Josh flopping around and uh, and he came back for him. And he's like, he was trying to wing like back and forth while the wind was light, staying up to stay with him. And eventually he had to just give it up and sit down with Josh because the wind got too light. And so they're sitting there, right? And uh, Quinn told me that Josh was panicking. Like, like he, I think at one point he told his kid, he told uh, Quinn, I'm never going to get to watch my daughter get married. <laughs> I'm never going to see my kids graduate from high school. It was a little more, it was a little less in, intense of a, a, a speech than that. Like I was a little, I, I think I was trying, I was able to hold it in pretty calm, but yeah, I was super calm. Dude, look, when you're eight miles out to sea. Didn't you almost get run over by a boat though? I got almost run over by the Catalina flyer. Yeah. And I almost got run over that by that giant the, anchor ship. Yeah. And like a, a tug had to come and a push it off course. Pushed the, <laughs> the bow thrusters went and started pushing the tanker ship so it didn't run me over. Oh my gosh. And then the tug you were like out. throwing your wing in the air. Right? I was throwing the so wing they in the air so they could see me. Yeah. You haven't heard the, this, have you? Yeah. And then the tug came out and was like, hey man, do you need help? And I was like, so at this point, so it's it's exactly a year ago, right? right? Is it? Yeah. It's, it was like the first of July was when we went out, and I I roll out in board shorts and a t-shirt. Oh yeah. To go on was... this downwind because you're gonna be on foil the we whole time. We thought we were gonna be course. on big boards. We'll be right? fine. We'll be winging. This is my sixth or seventh time winging. My Patrick's second. Time my second. Yes, my guys, second. Right? Yeah. Oh my I made it. It's my second. I made it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so and so, three hours in the water and. All of a sudden, the, the water turned to, like, ice picks in my sides. Like, every time yeah. I fell off the board trying to, like, get up or do anything, like, it was just, like, icicles. So the tugboat comes, and he's like, you need help? And I'm like, yeah, sick. Like, and I start trying to, like, climb up on the boat. He's like, don't touch the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember, I just felt my face just melt. Just like, oh. It's got to be so Rule number one of yeah. tugboat, don't touch the tugboat. <laughs> I'm still two and a half miles offshore, and just, like, thinking I'm going to get like completely run over by something. And so, yeah, he radioed for the lifeguard and they came and scooped us up. But if you're going to go on a major down winger, like make sure you can turn left. Yeah. <laughs> That's the moral <laughs> of the story. Uh, oh. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good, that was a good down winger. I was talking, I'm glad you talked about that. I was talking about our down winger. From hunting, from Seal to Huntington, <laughs> I mean, but I'm glad I mean, we talked yeah, about that too. It's less, uh, it's less <laughs> sexy. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, Patrick was a professional kiter, taught kiting lessons, so understands the wind. You're a sponsored team rider. And sort of. Freaking tag along, so like it's like yeah, let's send a 12 mile downwinder down to Huntington. And every time I'm like, I want to stay inside. I'll like ride the bumps, like ride the swell, like kind of do a shore runner this, with the this wing. This is like two months ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But so I proposed this idea because 
so I, I I'm okay with downwinding. Well, I'm, I'm curious. How far out do you have to be to hit like a good juicy wind line? Oh, not far. It's right here because it's all on shore. It's all on shore. So we're so like, why are you guys going out eight miles? No, no, that was that was different because so that was going one, from I was like, Cabrillo. I want to stay a hundred yards off the shore and just like ride the surf. That and, was like, going from Cabrillo. And Patrick's like, go out farther. But so, but this last downwinger, I I told Josh we should do a downwinger because I want Josh to learn to downwind, and I know how to downwind, and I want Josh to downwind with me, and he can't get it prone. And the sup, we're trying the sup now, but. I don't try often enough to get it prone. And right, that's here's true. It, here, can we? Can but we, so I thought. I thought when you do a downwinger, it'll give you a lot more time. Yeah. To see the bumps. Sure. To drop the wing. To foil. Run right. Or whatever. Yeah. Just so the issue is with me running the foil so shop for a is that I constantly sell the foil I'm on. Right. And so I'll have a foil that I connect with really well. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. it. Somebody comes in and they're like, "Oh, I need a great foil." And it doesn't matter what I'm on. They're like, what are you writing? And I tell them, and they're like, well, I want that. And so they'll buy, and maybe it's my last one in the shop, right? So they buy the Typically foil. Typically it is. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then Patrick's like, let's send a downwinder. And I'm like, well, I only have this other foil that, you know, I haven't ridden really at all. Or whatever one I'm, like, whatever I Or whatever you. you're pedaling at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and like, Patrick will bolt me up a setup, and I'm like, I don't like this foil, but here I go. <sighs> You have to ride it now. I have to ride it now. And so that that has actually, I think it's hampered my progress a little bit because I don't think I've ridden the same foil for two two or three sessions in a row in over a year. No, I've gone through this. The, the, like the constant R&D. Yeah. yeah, your foiling doesn't progress like that. No, it's, because you're constantly riding new gear. You're always changing. Yeah, you don't get into rhythm. There's something about sticking to a setup, even if it's not the most ideal one, No, but just hammering out and getting really comfortable. The, the longer you ride a setup, even if it's not ideal, the I'm better hurt, you get at it. I'm hurting my sales here, but if you want to progress, it's not the foil. Get better at writing what you're writing. No, it's totally foil. You should buy some buy a progression 140 from Unifoil. Right, right. It's you in should. the name. However, it's in the name. When you get the good foil, don't just jump to the next one. Three months later, don't just think that you got the wrong wing size. Three right. months is a pretty good amount of time in to suss out. Time, if that's this like is... ten years in like dog years, right? That's a, that's a pretty good amount of time to know if like this is your foil or not. Right, but right what one. I'm saying is, I get customers that, that jump on a foil and they get. Two just, or three sessions Yeah, in. just when they start yeah. to get and good on like, it. Oh, I really like this foil, but what about the new one that just came in? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll sell it to you, but if you want to get good, just like you said, say, say hi to my mom, guys. My mom just what joined up, the life. Brian? Hi, Mrs. The world. hi, Mrs. Finch. This is the world. This is the world. This is the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Sorry to interrupt. But, you know, keep riding what you're riding. Like, I look at some of the good guys. Like, you said Boofoil was on there. Dude, Cole has been riding the 120 and slaying forever. on it forever. Yeah. And like he's got his board, he's got his foil, and he rides it and he just continues to progress. And a lot of these guys, even Josh Koo on the progressions, right? He's been riding them, but he just rides them and keeps progressing. And it's like if every time you go out, you're putting a new foil on and tinkering with new gear, how do you get any better? Unless you start off freaking insane like kyle knox over here and you can just ride whatever you want there's i mean there's something to there's also something to the tinkering and tuning and finding but you can't give up too early you can refine something but like what i'm noticing is like every foil has a different speed range every foil has a different 
thing it likes. So I've been riding the Ono 800, which likes a slower speed and, and it digs out of a hole really well, and it like and it turns really well, and it, it but it just rides a couple miles an hour below. Um, it's a good chat, guys. I gotta go. It up? I gotta go. Yeah, right, bro. Thanks for coming on. We'll it rides you. a couple miles an hour below the rest of them. Who's jumping in there, Kyle? So for the podcast, guys. When you ride a different foil, like an Armstrong, a lift, or something like that, the foil, you've got to adjust to that speed range, right? you got to adjust to that foil. So if you keep jumping back and forth between setups, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt your And progress. it's not just, obviously, not just speed range, but the nuance. Dude, we can't roast Patrick anymore? Oh, now it's really game now on. Now it's game on. He can't clap back now. Oh, yeah. He can't tell all your dirty secrets. <laughs> he can't. <laughs> He's not here. He can't talk about how bad of a downwinder I, mean, I am. Spoiling though, it's it's always the freaking Indian, not the arrow. Like people don't want to hear that. Generally speaking, it's always the writer. Yeah. You know, Kai I mean, can the right that. the right foil for your you know your size and conditions. Yeah. Will unlock that extra 20 percent of your porf- sure. performance. Sure. Or I mean, I've seen in Florida. I've seen our local crew. You know, the dads, the dad crew, jump on. The progressions they're switching from lift they're switching from all these foils they to totally jump on improve. and you see a 20 percent increase over a short time there is definitely a time and but, a place to upgrade your gear yeah but to bounce back and forth back and forth and like hop it's death from it's gear brutal to gear. yeah yeah i've but, suffered for that for years honestly for years well, look like, at guys like uh, i saw a podcast R&D. with marcus from code foils right they, they, he was talking about how these guys were learning to downwind on like the go foil maliko you know, foils and they're pumping them. They're supping with these foils and they're downwinding on a foil that none of us would ever Dude, choose to ride. Four or five years ago, I was learning how to downwind on a freaking Armstrong 1250. Right. Like, yeah. And you and I would say, like, that is not the foil. That's not the foil. On. But I had a few runs you and, had and a few I learned runs. from it and, and wasn't learning super on that, successful. But if you, you can learn progress on the gear you're on, when you get new gear, it'll make you that much better. But if you jump from yeah, gear the to constant gear, jump. you never you never overcome that initiation phase where you're learning the gear. You're learning. That's why I can't ride Armstrong because I don't want to give it three to five sessions to learn that unique pump, that unique style that the Armstrong stuff has. Right. So I don't ride Army. Also, they want thirty thousand dollars for me to be a dealer. <laughs> so you know, it is what it is. Uh, Chris, what what's up, up brother? <clears throat> How you doing? Good, good. Um. Finally, we got Patrick out of here. We get Chris on the mic yeah. here. Just fucking hogging that shit, right? Insane Patain. Talk about towing. This guy's a tow master. First podcast. <laughs> but I'll just elaborate. Um, Long time listener. Yeah. First time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, um, I'm a lift rider. When the 90 came out, I went full, just full 90. Did you buy it from like, me? Yes. Okay. Bought it from Josh, full shop. He's okay. Bought it. Uh, wrote it nothing but 90 Instagram. for, like, the last year. Went back, tried to l- ride the next ones up, lift 120, the 150, and I just couldn't pump them, couldn't turn them. It was it was a struggle. I felt like I I took like 10 steps back. But riding the bigger foils, I've been sticking to the 150 lately, and you know just bigger foil, just overall increased my ride time. Just I don't know, it just opens up, opens up a lot. You know what what I was missing out on, but you miss on maneuverability, but you get a lot more ride time. Time on foil is super valuable. Yeah. Pushing the mic up there. Uh, yeah, that time on foil, like <clears throat> winging. Winging is so helpful for your proning. 
because yeah. you're just on foil so much so much time you get just much more you know feel for it you feel out the nuances um yeah i can don't have a much of a point there but yeah i totally agree with you on that yeah i think wings winging is killer for dialing in your foil setup i think that's the reason i haven't been proning even though I'm you're not going to end wing. typically end up in the same mass position even right. the same setup, but yeah, it just not the same board. It just yeah, not the same board, but it gives you the feels. I look at these guys, so Gage the Waterman, right? He's a hammer. I'm at a fan. Gage the Legend. Legend. He does rip. Gage is awesome. But you know what? A year ago, Gage was proning and he had come off the wing, but and he was proning, he was he was all right. And then but he kept winging and his amount of time on foil, and he'll tell you this, it has leveled up his foiling exponentially so now he's one of the best prone foilers out there and then he's also i think he's probably one of the best downwinders out there he is he's a sailor so this these sailor guys they just they get the downwinding because that's what they do with the sailboats you know they know how to park themselves in the in the bumps and everything but but that time on wing you know so um another guy um our coast guard friend that moved to to oahu Zach, Zach Tyson. I don't know what he is Kaiser. on Instagram. Kaiser, yeah. Kaiser. Yeah. So, I met him last summer here at yeah, Seal Beach. He's sick. Super good dude. He wasn't a great prone foiler when he started. But then he, but instantly when he started winging a ton, he got all this time on foil. And then he, he came back like three months later and was running circles around me because Chris was flying the drone, insane patane on the drone. And I was out there too. And they didn't get any of my waves because freaking Zach was just like running circles around everybody out there. And it's that time on foil. It's that time on the wing. And so if you have any way that you can get more time on foil, especially with the wing, behind a bow, anything, it's going to help. That's something Eric from the Progression Podcast speaks about a lot, riding larger wings. 170, the podcast 200. podcast not be named. Two- <laughs> The 170-200, and even if you can't go out and rip your hardest turns, he talks a lot about just being up on foil and, and linking and, and just spending that time up cruising and how helpful it is when you downsize and the waves are better and more critical. It's insane. I mean, I don't have a lot to speak to that, but I used to ride the Cabrina 1000 when it came out, and I was like, this is the best foil ever. And I never wanted to try the Cabrina 850. And then all of a sudden... You know, you get, I got all this time on the 1,000 and downsized one to the 850. And it was like, I felt like a professional rider. I was like, I rip on this foil. <laughs> because that 1,000 just, I was gliding around, pumping around everywhere. And you're, you're turning a bigger wing. So time on foil, yeah. But if you can ride and get good at riding a bigger board, bigger wing, and then you downsize, I feel like you just instantly rip. So now when brands are able to come out with smaller foils that have the lift of bigger foils, guys just rip harder. Like Kyle comes in the shop and he's like, what's the smallest foil you got? And then Kyle's not a small dude. Kyle's not a small dude. (laughs) Kyle, what do you weigh? 200 pounds. So Kyle weighs 220 pounds. But... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like 195 to 205. All right. So he floats in and around the 200-pound mark. but Holiday 210. Yeah, but he rides foils smaller than I would ride, and he pumps them around just fine, and he makes it happen. Kyle's also a, a professional surfer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our surfing game is not on the same level. Well, the smallest foils 
going to get you the best feel for generally what the whole range can do. Yeah. It's it's always about matching, you know, the 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 foil to the conditions, the board, the foil to the conditions. And why I had step up boards when, you know, we're surfing, you know, proning the outer reefs. Yeah. It's a nightmare like swimming your like 311 middles. outside. You know, like you middles step. up north. Yeah. Yeah. And and spots even worse than that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, if it's, it's, if you're only on like, just say a 150, 24 seven, you're right. And when the surface pumping, when it's small, you're limiting yourself in that aspect. So it's, it's just so much. And it's like, especially downwinding, you know, depending if it's a short interval, so is there wait, ground wait, swell when mixed it, in when there? When the swell's bigger, would you go bigger board, smaller foil? Yeah. Unless it's breaking close, unless it's breaking closer to shore, right. or unless you, you know, if we're towing, whipping in. I mean, it's just all dependent on, on so the, you're, the variable you're conditions. So you're riding like a twenty something, twenty high twenty liter board right now, eighteen, mid, seventeen and a half inches wide, mid twenties, yeah, four two, right, four three, four three, in average surf, and then when do you step up and how big do you go? When do I step so up like, in board length? It, yeah, when do you step up? I don't need to anymore because we have skis. And okay, but if you're not towing and you're riding waves and you go and you go to Kauai North Shore, that's when I would um, stay. Usually, if it's you know that medium size, a couple feet overhead, maybe you know even up to like five six feet Hawaiian. Yeah. Um, lengthen you know to a four or five or so, and and increase the liters you know thirty liters thirty two. I'm hundred sixty pounds. I'm not that big. You keep the width the same though. Uh, you know, if you decrease the width, you know, go more narrow and long, you're making up for for the for you know you can go. Is it paddle better? You can go better. Yeah, displacement. It's about it's it's all a, you know a balance, a give and take. Right. So if you go skinnier and longer, your board is moving through the water much quicker. It's easier to paddle. You're displacing water, and you don't need as much leaders. Right. When it's you know if you go a stubby board right. that's narrow, you need much more leaders to you know keep floating, or you know you you thin it out. Right. Lengthen it. And then when, so, okay, so that I That makes ride, sense? I'm, I'm a couple beers deep. Yeah. No, it totally makes, makes sense. Okay, thanks. I ride your old Foil the World model. That's like my go-to. I'm like a Brian Finch whore. Respect. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that thing's wide. He that loves thing's that thing. That thing's super wide, right? Super wide? Yeah, it was Bro, nine, come on. 19 and a half at a 4.0, 4.2. It's not super wide. It's just how the rails are. Yes, yeah, four it, two. It's, don't say that. It's it too makes, wide that you don't want to ride it. It's, it's I ride. Boxy. I ride at eighteen. Yeah, it's just so one it's, inch wider. It's just his rails come his like rails my are rails wider. are pretty tapered, where but his are just say, full. But but they're it, boxy rails. Yeah. But even even when I met you the first time last year, you were like, "Hey, we want to pull it in. We want to narrow it out a little bit." I love the board. I'll sell it to anybody. It's a great board. It's super easy to ride, and the reason I do it is because as a foiler, you take off in the whitewash, and that board. My point was, I was trying to lead you into this, but it's like those smaller, the wider boards with the wider bottom and wider decks, they excel in the whitewash, in the critical sections, in those. It was made for what I what I saw online was, it was made for airs and whitewash, right? Yeah. And so it's supposed to, you know, blend shortboarding with foiling. It'd so be a progressive style of. When do foiling. you get too narrow, though? Like, when do you feel when your like, back foot is? Your heel or your toes are hanging off the edge. Yeah. That's too narrow. But I feel like some of these boards I ride, the reason I ride that board is because, yeah, I'm always taking off in the soup. I'm always taking off in these big, giant, pillowy, whitewash sections and then trying to, like, make it 
out to the shoulder. And so the, your paddle outs are not very far. Right. They're not. You, yeah. You're, you know, you're, you want, they're smaller waves. You want to be able to whip your board around. You don't want it really, you don't want too long of a board, right? So it fits in the pocket. Yeah. But, but you need the, you some, still want the leadage to get in yeah. and pop up. And if we're going to do anything critical, because the waves are kind of crappy, we're going to be hitting whitewash or we're going to be doing something like that. So that's where that wide board comes into play. Now, Sharp rails, you, flat you go, bottom. Yeah, exactly. And you go narrow, sometimes I feel like it gets too squirrely in those sections. Like in the in the whitewash takeoffs, when it's too narrow, it just feels like I get like jacked Too around. wide is grabby as well, though. There's, oh, yeah? you know, like anything in life, there's a balance to it. You know, you can go too far in any one direction. Too wide... You know, landing airs a nice, nice and wide is is really reliable. You know, it's easier. Too narrow, you know, landing airs get squirrely because if your feet, if your heel is too far, you know, towards, you know, scoots off from center, it hits, you know, yeah. landing with your heel close to the or a toe close to the rail, you throw off your center of balance and you know you're yanking the foil left or right and you get all squirrely. I mean, it's, it's so hard to quantify because there's just so many factors in foiling. There are maddening amount of factors and variables in foiling conditions, wave power. You know, the same size yeah. wave at Seal Beach is much more pushy than in Jacksonville, which is, you know, an eighth of the push for the same size wave yeah. on Kauai. And it's, yeah, it's so hard to quantify everything because yeah. the maddening variables, you know, fuse lengths, where you have it in the box, your center. And deck angles, bottom angles, yeah, the box placement. It's just fucking hard to so hard remember, to nail down. Remember how you asked me like what's the benefit of going to a shop versus going direct? Yeah. That's the benefit. Well, because I mean, I knew I'm the answer, but that's people, for like where do you ride? You know, because the yeah. board the board for me in Southern California is not the board for somebody in Jacksonville. And the board for somebody in Jacksonville is not the board for somebody in Oahu. I feel it's it's closer. It's closer, but yeah, yeah. from from but you know it's, it's the mainland to Hawaii is is it's a, different, much more of a. We leap. got that continental shelf that just sucks all the energy out of it, and I just feel like there's a board for every rider, there's a board for every wave, there's a foil for every rider, and so I I talked about the Maligo 200, and it's like not a foil that I would ride, but there is absolutely a time and a place where that foil is perfect. I feel somebody. like there's two boards, two to three boards for every rider, right, but. Any foil in the shop that I'm going to sell, any foil that's on the market still, like there's a rider that is going to do well with it. It's not like always better or worse. It's different. It's and with fit. all the new foils coming out, every manufacturer has their thing and everybody's review says the same thing. It pumps great. It turns great. It's a low stall speed. You know, it's fast. Where, where are you riding? It's got yeah. so much glide. Yeah, but... But what are you coming off a of? A lot of those fuckers are bullshitting. <laughs> sure, some of them are, but, but the truth is... I do a lot of reviews and I feel like every time I write a new foil, I'm like, wow, like the glide's great. Wow. It turns great. You know what? Wow. And like, I'm, I'm really impressed by it, but there's a foil for every rider and it depends on what you're coming from, what you're writing. If you like Armstrong, you might like the code. If you like Takuma, you might write like the uni, you know what I mean? Like it, it depends on where you're coming from, who you are, what your style is and what you're, what you're after. What, what's the next nugget you're trying to achieve? You want to downwind, go for the code. You want to smash the whitewash? Go for the uni. You know, I don't know. Maybe the code can do whitewash just the same as the uni. Maybe the uni can downwind the same as the... But, no, but, uni's way better, bro. Of course, of course <laughs> you'd say man. that. Yeah. Company man. Yeah. Sure. But no, but I, you're, you're totally right. I just feel like each person is coming from a different background, has a different flavor palette, 
And, you know, I like one type of sashimi and you might like a different type of sashimi. It seriously boils down to preferences. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what, what's your go-to setups here, proning in this area, Huntington, Seal Beach? Go-to setup. <clears throat> My go-to setup, well, riding a 27-liter Andy, Andy Prunar board, proper board. I got to meet him today. Cool dude, man. <laughs> yeah. Talented shaper. Oh, yeah, he was out there today. Yeah, he was we out there. We had the hammers out today. It was awesome. I saw, I dude, he rips. I, yeah. I, I, uh, he surfs. He surfs incredible, too. I saw a great wave he had where he came up, he cranked it, breached the tail on the front side turn, and then wrapped it around and like breached the tail out on the on the backside yeah. rebound and then just kept flowing through. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, that guy's awesome. Um, yeah, riding a 4.2, 27 liter. Um, and yeah, lift, lift 90, 26 tail is pretty much my full time. Been, the been extension? That, uh, no extension. No ex- Whoa, rare breed. Yeah, yeah no extension. Um, <laughs> it it it, it kind of holds the carves can't turn as tight like i, I like to kind of turn it a little tighter but um yeah no no limits uh 78 centimeter mass um but yeah that's my go-to i can pretty much ride that from like i don't know knee high to overhead but lately i've been trying to like learn the 150x it's like really fun just increase ride time but yeah it's just going from that extending that width just changes everything so much but um is it's quite a bit has quite a bit more span yeah the span just i mean once you get used to such a small small wing it just it's hard to go to anything bigger those wingtips grab you know they grab the wider the foil i think that feel like the wingtips they they grab every little bit of energy out farther oh but it, it breaches incredible it's it does everything really well for its size but yeah, I'm just trying to get that more ride time. Because a lot of guys out here, they ride bigger wings. They're also heavier. I don't know. What's the term? I don't want to say heavier. Fat. <laughs> fat. Fatter. Yeah, they're fat guys. Built. But yeah. Um, Thick. Not everybody's 140 pounds like you. Yeah. 100, 155, 60. Yeah. yeah. Bro, what's up with that? Yeah. I know. How much do you weigh, Josh? 165. I should weigh 155, but I drink a lot of beer. <laughs> So there's that. This is the most I've drank in like, well, a month Welcome or so. To the floor, <laughs> in at least three days. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, a, I'm 160 pound nowadays, and that's like thick for me. I've been just real thin my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard for me to keep on weight. There was a time where when I was a firefighter, I was like lifting like crazy. You were a firefighter? So much food. That explains that mustache you had. The, recently. the firefighter mustache. Yeah, I grow that thing because I finally can. I'm a late bloomer, bro. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. I couldn't grow a stash until <laughs> my 30s. And you know what's fucked up? Now that I can almost like grow a beard. You know, it's patchy. Yeah, fucker's gray. I'm like, this is life's cruel. That's really it life is, is cruel. cruel. It's cruel trick. That's why we foil. <laughs> we foil now because we can't short board anymore. <laughs> that's my that's my excuse. Yeah, I can still shortboard, but you know what, Tom Carroll. At Thomas Victor Carroll said his best turn on a shortboard is 25 years ago, and his best turn on a foil is still coming. That's beautiful. Tom is, dude, the best human. Legend. I love him. Hopefully, my foil shop credentials can lend me an introduction someday. <laughs> he's he's awesome. If he's anywhere in this area, I'm sure he'd like visit you. He's like so foiled, frothed. So good. So kind. Has time for everyone. Like. Best dude. You guys keep it going. Do it. 
So Chris, shoot away, Josh. So listen, Chris is the toe foil extraordinaire. Chris, you got the ski. Yeah, what ski do you what what's your optimal ski setup? Not even just what you have, but what is the optimal toe foil ski setup? Optimal uh, like uh, best. Uh, if you're gonna if you had unlimited funds and you had to go buy a jet ski and set it up for toe foiling, what ski would you buy? Well right now. This is just information I was told from from other ski hammers, toe ski hammers. But uh yeah, the just GXO. They like the the older Yamahas, like late two thousands. Really, not like anything brand new. I mean, I think those are cool too, but they're all personally. Like, I don't like being out at sea with like old equipment that might not. They're all electronic. My go. buddy has a newer one. I don't know. The feels very different. Mine's like very direct throttle response. What year you got? I have a 09. Uh, how many times? How many F- times has your Yamaha. ski? FX SHO. Yeah. How many times has your ski left you stranded in the sea? It was one time, but that was due to a water. Uh, there's aluminum gasket I'm that cools you, that the cools skis. the exhaust. It's aluminum gasket that cools the exhaust, and it corroded and shut the cooling water for the exhaust closed, and the whole exhaust system is plastic, so it melted. So, just the exhaust circulated inside the engine, inside the engine chamber, and just choked it out. But so yeah. The new one was stainless steel gasket, and I have no problem. So two questions for you. You can answer anyone in any order. What's the shittiest thing Foil With Me has ever done? Second, what's the heaviest situation you've ever been in towing? What's the shittiest thing? I mean, we're pretty comfortable with each other, so you know, if he's close to you, he's probably going to show off and... Grab your dick. <laughs> just try to foil really close to you, but... <laughs> That's only if he really knows you. Hey, man, at least for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> getting to the... He's getting to the meat and potatoes over here. Um, But, uh... <laughs> Kyle's dying over here. <laughs> Kyle, come sit down. I need a break. <laughs> I need to sober Patrick, up a little. Patrick left. I got I to gotta ask the real questions, you know what I mean? Okay, I'm jumping in here. Uh, handed over the reins to you guys. But I'd love for you to break down the LAFC. The Los Angeles foil crew. What about it's it? It's an enigma. I don't understand it. There's it's a ton of people. Of, I know. So break it down. Explain Speaking it. What's Brian, going on? Get in the in the foil chat. All right. So listen, LAFC, two years ago, I wanted to get into foiling. And Los Angeles Foil Club was this random WhatsApp chat that I had to get into to, I don't know, to know the local players in, yeah. the, in the game, right? But it started out as just a handful of foilers on a WhatsApp group text. And it's basically a group text with like 400 people in it now. How many people are in it? A lot. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Three, 400, maybe plus. It's growing every day. But it's not LA anymore. It's a worldwide. It's the world. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's crossing borders now. We've got, I mean, and, and it's really funny because new guys will come in and they'll be like, oh, freaking. James Casey, blah blah blah, and they'll talk crap on James Casey, and then he'll <laughs> chime in and he'll be like, "Well, actually, I know, you know." Or the people will be like, "Oh, I bought an Amundsen board," and like they'll talk crap on John Amundsen, and then John Amundsen will chime in, right? So we've got the world's best foilers, the world's best shapers, and all these people from all all over the industry, all over the world in Los Angeles Foil Club, which is just a WhatsApp group text. And so you just get 150 messages a day that you may or may not have the notifications turned on for. 
Oh, they're turned off for me. I it's, mean, uh, but it's fun to look at. I mean, I'm probably I'll look at it when I'm a little buzzed. If if try and, not to chime in when yeah. I'm buzzed, just so I don't say anything dumb. Cause... I've done it. I did it. I did it like two weeks ago. I was in the downwind chat. There's oh, there's all these sub chats now because like you know the main chat is like the main chat and everything. Yeah, I think in the, the sub chats are actually the most fun chats now. I hate they to are, say that because but... yeah, because you think it's a smaller crowd. So I'm in a downwind chat and I thought it was like. 10 guys like we have a secret text group right the oahu guys have a the voyagers have a secret text group you can't get in there unless you like sacrifice a child or something but we you know but i was in this downwind chat and i thought it was just whatever like 10 15 guys and i could say whatever i want and i i had been drinking and <laughs> i had to like wake up the next day and like reread all my chats <laughs> just realizing that i was posting it to like 250 downwinders downwind foilers from across the world they're so, some of the best in the world too and they are i'm learning you've got canes in there gabby's in there who else is in there well oh, there's a bunch of like, guys a lot, lot of hammers i mean we should talk about kahi and uh, patrick right now actually kahi's in lafc <laughs> patrick's in lafc but what's really interesting is like if you want to have a conversation and feel like you're friends with a lot of people in the industry Join the Los Angeles Foil Club group chat on WhatsApp, and you will literally be communicating, chatting, and having conversations with some of what I consider my heroes, right? Oh, totally. It is special. I mean, what's special right now is the foil world is so small. Everyone knows everyone, and it's sort of like surfing in the 50s, I'd equate, where everyone knows when you can go up the coast anywhere, meet up with people, talk to them, they're super nice. Everyone's so stoked and frothed out on foiling. Except for There's surfers a... in the fifties didn't have people cussing you out every time you paddled out. Did I think they? that's actually it might just happen here problem. more than other places. It might be. Yeah. I don't know what Patrick does, but there's some sort of voodoo magic he's doing with some of the surfers. Because I, I can count the times less than one hand that I've had people talk to me about foiling, how it's not allowed or it's bad or different things. Um, I think. Sorry, so, I think. The L.A. area, L.A. Orange County area is just hypersensitive, very grumpy surfers. It's like Dogtown. Yeah. I mean... Anywhere else I've never had problems. There is localism everywhere, which is a whole other topic to talk about yeah. with surfing. And I mean, part of me understands 100% why it happens growing up in a localized spot and wanting to get more than 10 waves every two hours and wanting to spend your lifetime in the pecking order and all the things that associates with that. But it is, I don't know. I, I think there's different, if you act like a surfer in the lineup and you respect the lineup, um, you can always be in the lineup. But if you're going and doing things that surfers don't understand, they're going to not understand it and be, I would say, not offended, but they just, it's misunderstood and they're going to be scared. I mean, everyone's scared of foiling. I mean, it is, it's funny. I was at Doheny the other day and I overheard someone talking about foiling the same, Oh, this is a sharp. It's going to kill you. And I can't believe the injuries I've heard from foiling since I started foiling. I've been way more hurt surfing than I have foiling because surfing. Guess what? I go on heavy waves. I'm in dangerous. Sorry. Shouldn't Situations. say this because anyone else <laughs> wife hears this. I'm in safe. All the time. Yeah, you're always safe. You never do anything dangerous. I'm always safe. But you know what I say to those guys? I, I hear them. Oh, foiling's going to, you know, you're going to cut someone's hand off. And I paddle over to them. I flip the board upside down. I'm like, check it out. 
Like, check it out. The front of this mask, the part that's coming towards you, it's blunt. It's not going to cut you. It's not gonna. It's not any different than the 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 little tip of your shortboard. It's actually you know less mean? sharp. The foil is generally less sharp in the front than surfboard fins by a magnitude. It's actually totally. the back is yeah. sharper, but the front is less sharp. Sure. And so yeah, you show people this, and they're like, "Oh, that's cool." One of the most aggro against foiling guys I've ever met is in town here, and just today we were like, "Hey, when are we gonna get you on foil?" And he's like. I don't want to try because I know it's going to change my life. Like, <laughs> change my and, life, and yes. you know what it was? And I'll, I'll give props to the foiling community. Um, Daniel Kahanui, Kahanui, like like out in uh, Oahu, took this guy in and went surfing with him out on Oahu. And the guy was staying at the Sheraton where Daniel works. And um, Daniel went out surfing with him one day. They had hit it off, had a great rapport. And then he was foiling with him the next day. And they had a great conversation, and he was able to like talk through like foiling and everything. And now this aggro shortboarder that wants to like ban foiling from Seal Beach and all this stuff is now like, yeah, foiling does look cool. And I do realize like you know. And so I do want to say, with all the shit talking we've done, I would like to speak to the fact that the aloha of the foilers goes a long way. Oh yeah. The fact that the Massive. fact that foilers are some of the nicest people I've ever dealt with in the water. Keep it up because it's going to make a make a big it's going to do a lot for advancing our sport. Huge. I don't want to advance it too much cuz well, I'm also <laughs> torn because I think foiling is still too difficult. You're not going to have a bunch of the adult learners the surf world that's happening. COVID the COVID surfers? Yeah, COVID surfers, I should say. Foiling is still a waterman's market. sport. We should you market have a to... foil at Costco. <laughs> right? The soft top of foils. What would the soft top of foils be? I don't know. should it ask Jerry Lopez. Sport. I mean, he probably made a bunch of money off of his uh, wavestorm. Yeah, he did. You <laughs> Sorry. Gotta, Sorry, Jerry, you, by the way. How do you Legend, do most legendary ever. I don't blame you, but at the same time, I wouldn't do it. How do you do that on the foil? How do you make a safe foil where anybody can try it? I, I, I mean, make it slow. <laughs> it goes back to you. Unfortunately, I know Josh, you own a shop and I hate to say this, but I think Shut foiling Shut the shops down. is too difficult, but also that's what makes it special. You have to want to do it and you have to understand the ocean you have to be adventurous. And that's why I think foilers are so awesome at the same time. It's the conundrum of foiling. It's one of the best things in the world, but it's also never going to be as popular as surfing. Like supping is easy. There's a reason why supping went huge and then went way downhill. It was too easy. Surfing is not cool anymore. I mean, I don't, I hate to say that because I absolutely love surfing. But foiling is awesome. It, foiling is super cool to me. And all these people are talking all the shit about foiling. They're complete kooks. They don't understand how epic foiling is and how it'll change their life. I think it's because we can't throw spray. I For the most part. Not every turn throws spray. So we can do a G-force turn where on a surfboard, like if you go up to the lip and you do a nice carve or a cutback or something like that, it would throw mad spray yeah but, but it's ego driven it's like, like why do i want to spray someone i'm having the time of my life i know but what i'm foiling. saying but what, it doesn't look cool 
to the to the bystander. Oh, totally. Right? Exactly. So they see us spoiling, and to us, we're like, oh, this is the most gnarliest turn, turn of my life. And all they see is, you know what I mean? It's like it, you know? I got to get out of Brian's seat, by the way. I'm like, speaking of ego, I'm like, this is not my podcast. I don't know what I'm doing on it, but I'm enjoying talking to you Brian all. Brian said it was a shit-talking podcast, and you didn't talk any shit. Kind of I talked like. a lot of shit about surfers, by the way, which I absolutely love surfing. So I'd say that's a shit-talking podcast. Kyle, you're an independent. If you were going to talk shit on any brand, who would you talk shit on? 100% Armstrong. Sorry. I learned on an Armstrong. And oh, you know what? It's like a cult. I don't understand. Like... The foils are not the best ever. The build is not the best ever. You hated the MAs. I shouldn't say that. The MAs turn very well. They breach amazingly well. They have minimal glide. They pump very unuser friendly. Um, but Armstrong guys have drinking the Kool Aid. Exactly. I think that's why I, I almost feel like a lot of Armstrong that's just drinking mass Kool-Aid. And I don't understand why. I mean, talk about marketing. They've done an amazing job, and I give them a lot of credit for it. Dude, and people that don't even foil, they're like, arms. Like my sister was like, oh, yeah, here's a picture for your foil shop. I did a logo for you, and it had like an Armstrong foil. And I'm like, I'm not a dealer. I can't post that. <laughs> and I, I feel bad saying that. Like I feel really like a cool. bad human because at the end of the day, I want people, more people to foil. I want more people to enjoy the luckiness we have of changing our lives, being able to foil. So you and I don't want to say anything bad about any single brand, but except for Armstrong. Armstrong. No, Armstrong, they've done nothing to me to be bad. And I just feel like maybe I've spent too much money buying things that I'm just like, God, I got to sell this right but away. Like, I try Army, a couple of Make your foils more user-friendly for the masses. I mean, it just more power to them. I just want people to have more user friendliness. And I feel like Armstrong's not helping the world with that. And it's funny because talking about people going and jumping on a unifoil progression after being on Armstrong, I was witness it. They're always like last I, week. I and they so literally were the, they caught their first wave and they foiled the best I've ever seen their first wave, which was insane. I where I'm like it. In Mexico, I went down to Mexico. A guy was on Armstrong. He was on a 925, and he was foiling great. And I handed him my uni. He jumps on uni, and he goes, that was the easiest foil I've ever ridden. He's like, it was so easy to ride. Like, I did so well. But he's still on Armstrong. I don't get exactly. it. Exactly. Right? I know. I get it. Chime in. I'm going to chime in. All right, go, Chris. They do have some new stuff coming out. I don't know the details, but. It's not out yet. Leapfrog. We yet. said leapfrog. Armstrong's going to leapfrog. But, Chris, shittiest foil brand. Go. Shitty. Ah. <laughs> NSP. Oh, <laughs> that's easy. That's all like, right. yeah, that's not fair. I'll tell you, no, I'm, I'm all about, I was on Armstrong. I was on Goldfoil, been on Lyft. I think they're all great. They all have, you know, everyone has their faults. You just got to learn how to ride them. Um, yeah, you know, everyone has their faults, but they're all, they're all great. I wrote them all. I hear you. You're too nice. Brian's going to cut us off. Yeah, yeah. We're I'm not allowed to over. talk shit on I think any more uh, the thing with Armstrong is, you know, I rode him for years off and on, and I know Army personally. He's never did me dirty. Guy. He's good dude, very intelligent dude, uh, very polarizing, not the most tactful guy. Has the classic, like, Kiwi kind of charger attitude. <laughs> um, but I think there's there's a thing where, you know, Armstrong has such a massive part of the market share 
that it's kind of impossible for these people to get out of the system. If they're not enjoying and they're not a good match for the present foils and what they have, it's there's it's so the the second hand marketplace is so saturated they can't get any money out of the foils i've seen forums i've seen i've heard the comments over and over people that want to switch out they're stuck in you know thousands and thousands of dollars of investment i think that's part of it impressive like i mean hats off to armstrong because what they've done is they they got in early and they built a better like a couple years ago they were the best game in town right and and before you know when the 1250 came out and some of those foils they they had le- they they were at that time of the leapfrog where the industry was taking off and so you get all these guys that are like army is the best and they were and they still can be right i'm not saying armstrong sucks right but it is an, a difficult ecosystem to break out of if you drink the Kool-Aid and you're in there's so that's and they feel different than everything else yeah so if you a like the different, army feel, feel good on you it's very unique. Yeah. That's why I tell my customers, to be honest with you, I'm pretty, I'm pretty politically correct in here, and I always tell my customers, like, hey, Armstrong's great if you're on Armstrong because it's a very unique feel. And so coming off of Armstrong, you might like other stuff, great. But if you're on, on Armstrong, you've developed a palette for that unique feel. And they've, they've done a good job. If I was an Armstrong writer and started off on Armstrong, I'd still be on Armstrong for that exact reason. It's really really. <laughs> well, Kyle, you're an anomaly because you can write everything and rip. So, I'm an average foiler, and I can't. Well, I I just got off because I had I had too much gear. I'm just like. But you still tow with your army? No, I got rid of it. Oh, you did. Five twenty five was was all time for there down here. He said <laughs> the, he said the five two five was good. Twelve fifty. No, Armstrong does some amazing things, and I think they've been great for the sport as a whole. I just don't like. I guess the egocentric have to be only writing this not inclusive in the sport. That's, I guess what bugs me. Well, I, the soul of me, the heart of me wants to have everyone enjoy foiling, be inclusive, have a more universal system, other things. What you're and saying, Armstrong, what you're saying is, which you is going to happen, but everybody to use a flat fuselage that can incorporate a 30 mil bolt spacing. So we can run any tail, bottom yeah. right? Bottom mount, Agree on some shit, people. Like, I'm tired of all these foils. Like, Takuma came out with a great foil and foiled, foiled again, roasted them, right? It's like every new foil that comes out, you got to buy the whole new ecosystem. You can't just bolt up your favorite parts. And it's, I think that's what's so tough about give armies. Me a, you can't, a universal fuse. Yeah, yeah, it's you, good for the brands, their individual brands to keep people, you know, trapped in their trapped in their, their ecosystem. ecosystem. But, but it's not good for the sport it, overall. It's not good for the There's sport. There's so much learning, yeah, switching tails and, and being able to interchange parts. And that's why I love like foil parts and Struberg and all those guys that are making They're all these all adapters and let you because it Greg. pushes the sport. It yeah. opens up more performance and opens people's eyes. Good it's, on you, Greg. You make some be- beautiful tail adapters. He's the man. Yeah. He's the man. He is. Yeah. That that was my uh Daniel, I still want to drive, but you know what? I still buy his stuff. I showed up in Maui, and Kane, Kane DeWild has his dad on an Onofoil setup. And I'm like, I didn't know anybody else rode Onofoil. I sell it out of the shop all the time. There's at least six people out there. It's at least six or seven. <laughs> and if I get my way, maybe eight or nine. But I feel like I sell Onofoil all the time. And what Daniel's done really well is with his foil parts, he's helping people adapt what they like to what they're writing. It's pretty cool how he's, you know, a backyard foil maker. 
you know, he's been at it for many years. I used to converse with him quite a bit, quite a bit back in the day. And, you know, I respect the dude that he's, he's grinding it out. He's like an aerospace engineer and he's applying, you know, those theories and his knowledge and his intelligence to foiling and he's engineered to the max. And he's, he's like just, you know, slow and steady marching forward and, and just develop some pretty speaking good stuff. Of, speaking of leapfrogging before, uh, this year, I know we got to wrap this up before this year and all the new foils came out. Daniel came out with the Ono M800, and it blew every foil out of the water. Unfortunately, I was the only guy selling it, <laughs> and no one else, and there was no marketing behind it. I feel like you waited for Patrick to leave to say that. No, but it was before the progression. It was before, you know what I mean? But he came out with the foil, and, and, and he's done really well. And still Did Kane have up. a lot to do with that one? I feel like I he coached him, and they worked together for a bit, right? I, I don't remember the friends, specifics. Right? But. So I think Kane writes things, tests things, gives feedback. And then Daniel implements, you know, other stuff. And I could be wrong on how that goes, but, you know, Kane, I, what brand does Kane not have a little bit of investment in, right? And, and a little bit of design, but... Tons of influence, yeah. Such but, a brilliant Hey, my kid. hat's off to all these guys Such that a are trying dude. to push the sport forward, sitting at their computers, designing foils, designing wings. Hats off to Army. You freaking killed it, and you dominated Dude, the industry. He's helped the, you know, he's pushed the the sport he's of foiling. He's pushed the sport immensely, yeah, right? Immensely. So, good job, all these guys. Even Unifoil, even the brands. Shout that out sell to Clifford, Mexico. dude. Yeah. Clifford yeah. is. Clifford. He's a fucking genius, man. Clifford's the dude, rad. The, you know, working with different designers. No shade on anyone, but having worked with uh, different designers, you know, doing my tail, um, you know, R and D feedback. Um, uh, the difference I find with Clifford, um, and I haven't really worked directly with him much, spoken to him, but the difference there is that you can say, okay, I want this foil to do this specific thing from what it is now. Yeah. And Clifford's like, oh, okay, we'll do this. And Check with it other designers, it's been like, okay, well, we can try a little bit here. We can try this and we can try that. Let's see if we get there. Yeah. But Clifford's like, oh, okay, we'll just boop, 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 dial it in. And it, it, it and does it what he knows. Yeah, and it's pretty check amazing. It out. We got the Vipers in at the shop. And I'm done. This is my, my last statement. You can kill me after this. We got the Vipers in the shop, and they're like, what do you think? And we're like, oh, it's great, but the tails suck. Three months later, Cl Clifford had tails in the shop, ready to rock and roll. Dialed the in. G10 tail packs came out right then. He's super open-minded, too. You know, he, and he even it. though he knows it all, practically, he's very open-minded to, so you know, good. writer feedback. And, and that's where, you know, his talent, you know, part of his talent lies is being open-minded and being such a guru and being so a genius. But he's, it's they're you know it's one and the same they lend themselves those qualities lend themselves to one another and that's how he's he's so amazing brian so, thanks for drinking beers and letting us ramble yeah um i almost want to apologize for this uh but also celebrate this podcast this episode because this is this was the goal this is this is i can't be the progression progress progress nor uh, nor did i want to yeah. and this is like building up to this type of episode this is fun shit you guys are amazing um really stoked we finally got you on josh and i'm glad we waited to do it in person i love these in-person podcasts so good chris you fucking legend ripper stoked to see you again hang 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 and Thank spend you. some time great to see you too man and kyle to meet in person and have a session freaking awesome really stoked stoked your uh you're representing Unifoil in such a great way and ripping. Um, the question is, how many beers did we drink during this podcast? Let's I, not. I see like 12 <clears throat> Let's cans. leave it up to the imagination. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. There's three, wine, and three empty wine bottles to start with. So 
Follow at the foil shop, uh, at insane patane, P A T A N E, at Kyle Knox is K N O X I S. And fuck you f- at foil with me for leaving early. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening and making it this far in this episode. I love you all. Uh, just so greatly appreciative. Um, you can follow, um, you know, my journey here on the West Coast heading north. Tomorrow, I was going to do it tonight, but I think I'm going to sleep it off. Um, Heading north and eventually getting up to Hood River and, you know, follow along. It's going to be a fun time. Once again, thank you for listening and foil the world. (laughs) 